Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and with Rowan this Friday edition, headed into the July 4th weekend. Hope you're uh, maybe already there into the weekend. If not, we're going to get you uh, over the next two hours there fast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can do that now. You can do that uh, over the weekend as well. Search out Outkick. Catch all the shows live or on demand. Uh, you can be alerted to when we go live. Just ring that bell and us and anyone else that's live on the YouTube channel. You'll be alerted to that. Give us a thumbs up. Hit the like button if you're enjoying Smash the show. Smash that Chad like button. is in the uh, chat as well. Is it all busy? up in the chat today. Chat's busy. Chat's busy. Slowing down a little bit. You know, these people... Slow down, kind of wind down into the weekend. Maybe the chatting ah, slows down a little bit, too. Maybe I'm about so. to fire it up right now, though. I'm going to get real controversial in this chat. Wow. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to say something. Chad's about comes to, to mind. A, he's about to send a photo. There's about to be a missile being sent in this chat. I'm going to post a photo. Chad, I'm going to plug my headphones back in for just a moment. Okay. Uh, oh, you I knocked him out. Um, speaking of controversial, uh, The Idol on HBO is a show that I've been watching. It turns out today that The Idol, You've been which everyone thought was six episodes this first season, is actually five. And it's the biggest mystery as to how it's a mystery that I've ever seen. It, it's news today for whatever reason. But they screened the entire series it can as a five-hour movie. And it was five episodes. How long was the standing ovation? In November, it was announced as six in a, in a, a deadline report. And then yeah, I think the standing ovation was 22, the standard 22 <laughs> minutes. Scorsese. Uh, at Cannes. Uh, very controversial show. But you liked it. You liked the show. You've asked me to watch it. Are you, I, are I, you asking me to watch it because you don't like it? I'm interested in the show. Okay. Like it, it, it has my attention. I, don't, I can't say that I like it. Like it's one of those that like the, where it's going has me interested to see what's going to happen next. But it is getting critically just panned. As Crushed. I mean, oh, this is Johnny Depp's daughter. Johnny Depp's daughter in the weekend. Yeah, I have um, seen these headlines. Abel Abel Tesfaye is uh, is the weekend's actual name. It's interesting. Um, I think Hutton. I think it'll have your attention. I think anyone who's seen it, it'll it'll have your attention. But I've been following Lily Rose this day. Depp will have my I, attention. I love when something. Yes, okay. she gets a lot of people's attention. I love when like something shouldn't be news but is for whatever reason, and it's really just a giant miscommunication. Everyone <laughs> thinks the show has been just cut. Has been canceled wow. after five episodes, and they they have a six. They're not going to air, but no, it's porn. There was well, I mean, I mean, it's it's HBO, so that hasn't stopped them before. But it, it, this is pretty <laughs> pretty hardcore, even for HBO. Okay. But also, okay. um, there was an original creator, Amy Simons, who did a show that was six episodes, and she left because hmm. of creative differences with the weekend, and then the weekend oh. did a different show. So now many people are like, I'd like to see the show that she made. And see what the differences are and what the big creative differences were about the show. And now this show is five episodes in its first season. Has not officially it's, been canceled. I think odds are high it will not be renewed. Yeah, it's no Yellowstone is what you're saying. It, Yellowstone, they, could, they would love to renew that thing for their seven seasons, but Kevin Costner's having none of it. So now they're just going to make a new Yellowstone with a new cast. Coming up, Michael McHenry will join us in, in roughly 20 minutes. Major League Baseball discussion and, and much more. Um, and... A, a lot to discuss on and off the diamond with him. Always enjoy our conversations there. It also includes the air quality for the Pirates game and whether or not they should have played and player reaction. Uh, Michael, of course, uh, part of the broadcasting team. And for the we're going to ask Michael, too, the question you raised earlier about what happens when a Major League Baseball star is hit yeah. for betting on baseball. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Compared to Pete what Rose. we accept in the NFL, both with gambling and with PEDs. Chad, uh, Glenn Gilbo 
with a thorough assessment yes. of the reaction and sentiment and accountability for Kirby Smart and the Georgia football program based on the lengthy court dockets that have taken place in, in recent time uh, and the, the number of players that have had a roll call in court. Um, it's w- well worth the deep dive. But Glenn at Outkick.com finishes up and, and summarizes it well, I believe, by saying the person with the most ability and power to curb it or stop it is Kirby Smart. They've got two championships. They're likely to win more soon rather than later. But they have important issues that need to be dealt with. And meanwhile, the sentiment is a bit that they're getting a pass. Is it because they're winning titles? Or is it because in today's, not just college football age, but in sports landscape, if you're winning, that's the number one factor. That's the number one box to check. That's the criteria for whether or not you're successful, not developing a culture that is respected. Because, I mean, what was it, two months ago, Dion is talking about how he wants to recruit certain players from different backgrounds and uh, upbringings for positions that he's going to recruit just based on the mentality of the player. I, I think there is a sentiment a bit that every great team has troublemakers in the locker room that ultimately impact the team in a positive way, and that's just how it is. But, but this is a lengthy, lengthy list for the dockets that have been uh, going through Athens and elsewhere. Yeah, it's a problem. You know, it's, it's only not being covered as much of a problem for a couple reasons. One, local media in these college towns that everything revolves around the college football team in th- these towns, they're not going to do a lot of digging. Now, the, most of the heavy lifting here has been done by the AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, who's got all the lengthy reporting done on the racing, the road racing that was going on at Georgia. Right. And now the sexual, uh, alleged sexual assaults that have taken place at Georgia. And the fascinating part of this to me is Bryant Gant, who is essentially the program's legal fixer. He is a Georgia guy. He's a former attorney. He's got relationships with local law enforcement. And I thought Glenn's piece did a good job of recapping one incident involving Jamal Jarrett, who now is a freshman at Georgia. But on his recruiting trip to Georgia, there was an allegation that there was a sexual assault from a young woman uh, in a hotel room. The authorities were called. And immediately, Bryant Gant is on the scene yucking it up with the authorities. And patting guys on the back. And uh, at one point, one of the cops even said something about being a a diehard Bulldog fan uh, when they're investigating the sexual assault. So this doesn't come as a shock to people who have been around uh, a college town where football and the team there is that important. But, I mean, this feels like something, you know, ripped from Varsity Blues. A very, very small town type deal. And there's some very bad things going on around the Georgia football program that Kirby Smart does need to take seriously. The first opportunity he's going to have to answer for some of this will be at SEC Media Days here in Nashville in a few weeks. He will get yep. questions You're right. about the AJC report. 
He will get questions about the deaths involved in the road racing and all of the traffic issues with Georgia football players. Uh, I'm anxious to see how Kirby handles those questions because, look, we all know you win back-to-back national championships. It's going to give you a lot of grace uh, amongst your own fans. I am surprised that these stories haven't blown up bigger nationally, but we also know this. The moment anything happens negatively on the football field for Georgia, and it still may not for a while based on the amount of talent on their roster, but when it does, suddenly it'll become more of an issue for people around the program. Hey, maybe we should look into some, some discipline issues with this team. Maybe we should have been more serious about the sexual assault. With the amount of sexual assaults being claimed on this, Adam Anderson was the other mm-hmm. high-profile one. Hutton, we were down in Jacksonville for the Florida-Georgia game when he couldn't, he was basically suspended, taken into custody mm-hmm. the morning they left for the game. Yeah, oh, on, on the, the way, bus. you're yeah, right. It was yeah. like it happened. The, it happened early the, Friday yeah, morning right. as they left, and the allegation came in as they left for Jacksonville yep. for the cocktail party game. Um, this is an issue. Now, look, I, I don't. I, I see all this and think, man, this many investigations, nothing really happening locally. Immediately, my mind goes to Baylor and what happened there. We don't have evidence right now of some massive cover-up with Kirby Smart. Right. But when you see it this many times with nothing really happening, and I'm reading about a fixer named Bryant Gant that knows everyone in law enforcement, I mean, your ears do perk up a bit if you're covering this story. And they, it certainly has for Atlanta Journal-Constitution that's been covering this story. And thoroughly, I think we're going to see more coming out of this. And Kirby Smart... Hutton is going to have to answer some questions about it. Yeah, and you know, I, I think, look, no one should be naive enough to think that your favorite team doesn't have a quote-unquote fixer. A- absolutely. That, that's Everyone's going got on someone, some legal on. counsel this they can go new. to. This yeah. isn't new. Um, the, the difference is the list of players, right, the amount of time or the short amount of time in between all of this since Kirby got, was it 2016 his first season? 2015? Yep. 2016. 2016. A- and... Uh, the, the idea that now you've got the AJC trying to sniff around and, and figure out what has or has not happened behind the scenes. Are, 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 are there light penalties with this? Are there you know, uh, certain favors that are, are taking place or being promised? Again, there are a ton of questions, but the questions come with the normally the fixer is not known. Right, you don't know now. There's a face and a there's coverage of it, and it goes in line with the list of players that Glenn Gilbo uh, laid out well at Outkick.com. Yeah, David in the YouTube chat says Kirby is starting to sound like an Art Brile starter kit. I, I agree. I mean, well, re- reading all this reporting, that's some, the Mueller my mind well, went. I, I'm not going to say this is Baylor is different than yeah, what happened. I, I'm, I'm not a gonna, lot of these guys were cited or had to go to a court uh, appearance. For racing, or or just speeding, or uh, a reckless driving. Now, that's not good. They're cracking down on that across the entire state of Georgia, specifically. Uh, that's an issue in Athens and in Atlanta that they're trying to penalize in a harsh way. But I can't make the leap that just because it's a a number of players with a court appearance that it's equivalent to some of the stuff that went yeah, on. Yeah, there's, at there's, but there's. I think there's. Could it be? It could get there, but I mean, again, like it's. 
Yeah, six different issues though involving sexual assault. Right. Also, again, like, like that. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, they're not pressing charges in a lot of these, so right. we we have to trust the legal system to some extent that they know what they're doing. I, I'm not. I'm just saying when I read stories of repeat offenses like this and it's sort of going away, my mind goes to what happened at Baylor, where right. there was deemed to be a quote unquote rape culture. Within their football program but, under Art Browse. I'm not saying that. L- yeah. Let me let me let me clarify. I'm not saying that what's going on at Georgia, but it's easy to connect the dots there and think this is what can happen if you don't cut this off. I will absolutely say this. There is a road racing culture at Georgia that is troubling. Based on the that, traffic violations, based on the deaths that we've seen. Right. And it's a it's this a, is not an isolated thing. And, and the state of Georgia is trying in a in a immediate fashion to crack down on it. They have yeah. been for the last year or so. But also keep this in mind. Uh, you know, before jumping to the comparisons of Baylor, allow the court proceedings to play out. Because we sat here and talked about the punt god Matt Ariza and AJ Johnson as well. And they were crucified at the stake whenever that was going down at said university. San Diego State was pointed out as part of a cover-up. You know, what's the culture of the University of Tennessee that's taking place? All of, all of that gets lumped in. Uh, can it be something that we saw at Baylor? Yes, it could be. But I automatically can't lump in what we've seen until things play out the way they have. And uh, the fixer, while uh, certain things may be going on behind the scenes, he's, I mean, he's not fixing the fact that we see the names listed and the court appearances that are taking place. No, that's not the accusation by any means. They, they're arrested and they have to appear, and they do. Yeah, I, I find it a little bit odd, though, that in the one court appearance when they had character witnesses show up on behalf of Adam Anderson... Did. Uh, on, on the behalf of Adam Anderson, uh, this is on November 21st, eight teammates showed up as witnesses, and when they uh, announced who they were, they said their positions. Jordan Davis, defensive line. James Cook, running back. Justin Schaefer, offensive line. Quay Walker, inside linebacker. Channing Tindall, inside linebacker. Um, that's odd. That's odd when there's uh, someone, a woman in the, uh, the, in the, in the jury, or not the jury, but that's making the accusation sure. that's facing that in, in Athens, Georgia. Like that, I, I, that doesn't really sit right with. And look, I don't know what happened, right? There, there's a court system for a reason. I don't right. know if she's telling the truth or not. No idea. Only those two know. That's just a very odd dynamic to be walking into. And I, I would just tell Kirby Smart, be very careful. Because these well, things can get out of hand quickly. I agree with and that. And all of the winning, they, they're not going to take away those national titles. And the, all the dominance of Georgia football and the recruiting is still going great. All of those things look really good. I would just say this is starting to look like a slope that's getting more and more slippery for this no, Georgia football and, program. And, and is it being overlooked? I think that's the overall uh, sentiment of what Glenn was getting at, too. Is it, are, are they getting it a pass? And is Kirby Smart uh, allowing this to, to just continue by not stepping in and doing something? Because he is the one guy that can change the culture. And not allow anyone to get a pass for what's going on. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that that question. It's absolutely getting a pass right now, but by the I, majority of media, and I think that is because the winning. The key question to me, Hutton, is: Is it getting a pass from Kirby Smart? What is he doing to change that? 
Right. What is he doing to stop this? I don't know those answers. A part of I it, hope he gets some questions where he can answer those, yeah. those questions. And a part of it is a 24-hour news cycle. Uh, but Jalen Carter, I mean, we, we covered that at length during the NFL Combine. That was timed perfectly. And, yeah. and, and I, I say that because that's why it was timed the way it was, because he was in Indy and had to go back to Athens to turn himself in. Right? Yeah. And that became the weak headline of the NFL Combine. That was the story of the Combine was Jalen Carter and how far he would fall. Yep. Turns out he's in Philly, where he'll ball out he'll on that fun. defensive front. He'll be fun. That's right. Michael McHenry. He'll also be fun. Georgia. He'll be good again next. this year. I'm curious, uh, if a player right now bet on Major League Baseball or on his team, how would it be handled compared to the way the NFL is handling players? What's next? Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. A chair got moved somehow, Hutton. I don't know what happened. That threw me off. I had to scoot up as we started. I think I'm in the proper spot now. Someone uh, move it on purpose for you? Yeah, there's a ghost in here apparently. It's freaking me out. I I walk back in and my chair's in a different spot. Crazy. Michael McHenry is always in a different spot uh, weekly with us. Uh, He he joins us now. We're talking Major League Baseball with uh, the Pirates broadcaster, MLB analyst, and more contributor here on Hot Mike. The Fort with us, former Major League catcher as well. Mike, good to see you, man. Happy July 4th weekend. And you're joining us from Cary, North Carolina. That's right. You see the hat representing... USA, they say it's us because it is. Uh, it's really, really cool. Very humbled to be here and around a bunch of uh, elite talent, 17 years old, trying to pick a 18U national team. So it's been very fortunate. And guys, I'm sorry about that ghost. I know how scared uh, you guys can be of that at I, times. I'm you know? like Mookie Betts over here. I'm going to move out of this studio <laughs> like he did the hotel in Milwaukee because it's haunted. Hey, uh, tell us uh, your role there and uh, how – detailed is this process how many players are vying for a position here so i'm i'm an assistant coach i'm working with jack wilson one of the best in my opinion maybe one of the better coaches in all the country this guy's elite he's he's an assistant coach at grand canyon as of now but this guy's going to be special in the future but we're here to make men we're not necessarily just here to pick a national team but this process is going to whittle down to 40 then they're going to go to trials they're going to play against each other that's the stars and stripes game just saw the college team they're finishing up they picked that team from 40 so two teams of four or 20 whittled down to 20 and that's who represents the country they're going to head over to i believe taiwan and you know try to win a gold medal um and if you're here there is no try it's you're going to win a gold medal so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's new to me. It's a dream of mine. It got taken away from me in 09. I had part of my ear taken off, got it sewed on, and uh, they hit a nerve in the back of my neck. So they pulled me away. The Rockies did, and I wasn't able to go. But the guy who actually replaced me at a game-winning home run, I'll never forget it. So almost 20 years later, here I am wearing so, red, white, and blue. Wow. How did you lose your ear again? I took a foul tip, and it pinched up against my helmet. Oh, and I didn't know. I had no clue. It was just, I thought it was sweat. The umpire was like, time, Gary, you're out of the game. I was like, why did I just get thrown out of the game? It's like, dude, you've got blood all over you. So I went and they hit a nerve in the back trying to fix it and diagnosed me with epilepsy, weird enough. Hmm. So I had to chase. I didn't have epilepsy. It was obviously 
they were nervous or something. I was naive and young. So we just left and went to a bunch of neurologists, tried to figure it out. I begged, wrote emails, did everything I could to go. Didn't work out. So they sent me to the Dominican Republic instead. So whatever. Um, just basically. Unbelievable story. I, I, I never knew that. So where were you at the time when you were playing when that happened? I was in the Texas League in Tulsa. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm glad yeah. everything's fine now. Uh, yeah, all good. With everything. All good. Okay, good. Michael yeah. McHenry with us, the Fort. Quite the revelation to start this yeah, uh, this interview today I with know. the Fort. We got hey. deep right there, boys. We got deep. Yeah. I want to get your take on this. So I, I, I've been pondering this NFL betting policy. We're right? about to go deeper right now. Yeah, Fort. so the, the, the players are saying, well, it's, uh, they don't really understand the, the minutiae Right, the, the the reading between the lines of where they can and can't, they didn't understand that certain things were violating the policy. Whatever, it's on them. That's the policy. But I do believe, uh, while some people agree with the policy, others in, in media uh, fans are saying, "Yeah, uh, it, it's it's on the player to know. It's not on the NFL to implement this. The players need to know if they're agreeing to this." Um, I do think the sentiment of if you're betting on the league. You have the indefinite suspension. You can reapply for reinstatement uh, the next calendar year, whenever the NFL league year begins. That's what Calvin Ridley did. I think overall, the sentiment is a year suspension for betting in the league is warranted and it's fair and they should be back in the game. If this happened today, and I use Ronald Acuna just as an example uh, in Atlanta. If Acuna was betting on the Braves... How would that be treated across the league? And what would that mean for Pete Rose's case to be reinstated based on the overriding sentiment that we're seeing right now in the NFL, where if you get popped for PEDs, it's a six-game suspension. And if you bet on the NFL, it's a year. And based on history, based on what we've seen the commissioner do, you're back into the league if a team wants you. Yeah, there's definitely a double standard in, I think, all leagues. I think they make these rules and they're very gray. I mean, you brought up PD or the uh, uh, pets, yeah. the, the performance-enhancing stuff. The reality of there is it's constantly changing. And a lot of it has to do with what you can actually take from your doctor. But you have to have an MLB doctor certify you. So it becomes a giant mess, and it's very unclear. Same thing with this betting. You have these, these meetings in spring training. They're not very clear. A lot of guys maybe just can't articulate it. There's a language barrier. There's a lot of things going on. So, one, they need to educate the players, the fans, the coaches, and the advisors to make sure that once it has happened, because it probably, I would say, 85, 90% of the time, in, in my experience, I've seen guys, they've just made a mistake. They didn't know any better. Yeah. They were in a foreign country. They got given something that maybe they shouldn't have. They got bad advice. So, they signed a piece of paper they shouldn't have, and all of a sudden they're a part of a bet or a scheme. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. I think the education and being out in front of it and transparent, which no league seems to want to do or or be very good at, I think that's the most important thing. So the fans don't bury these guys because a lot of these guys are really good dudes, and they're getting a bad rap. And the reality of it is they just made a mistake because they didn't educate themselves. They didn't know when all we wanted to do is play. If, if Acuna wasn't on the field doing what he's doing, which is remarkable, maybe something that we've never seen over a full season, the talent he's showing, that's a shame. Yeah. And talk about Pete Rose. He should be in the Hall of Fame. That well, guy is a wizard when it comes to baseball and competing. And I think he'd be a standard for some of these guys that, you know, kind of flaunt the game, take it for granted. 
hey, this is how you play. And this guy had 8 billion hits. Right. And that's what's so important. I think having these guys around, I mean, Schilling's a great example too. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Don yes. Matter should be in the Hall of Fame. They just don't look at it in, in a, I guess, a full spectrum. Well, you know, they just have that narrow path. But I'm curious though, like, and again, I'm, I'm comparing, I, I realize leagues can be covered in a, a, a vastly different fashion. And that's why baseball's baseball, the NFL's whatever, right? Uh, the sentiment I'm saying. But I, I use Acuna, but let's say Aaron Judge. If Aaron Judge is on an app in a legal state betting and he's caught betting on the Yankees, is he banned? Is he banned for life? Or does Pete Rose have a case to get back in? And would that actually help Pete Rose's case if a player isn't banned for life based on how... Because I do think it, 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 that we know the Pete Rose story because it was Pete Rose. If mm -hmm. it's a major name in Major League Baseball today, how would that be handled from Rob Manfred compared to what we've seen in the past? Honestly, the sad part is I don't know. Yeah, I think right, yeah. I think it could go either way. Absolutely. I, I could see it being where, you know, he gets a year, slap on the wrist. It, it's just, it's a double standard. And the way that panel works, guys, it's, I believe, 12 guys vote. And I believe eight guys are actually MLB guys, not, and then four are players represented. Okay. okay. So it's completely skewed. So that's why guys aren't arguing about, like Max, Max Scherzer said, I'll just take my slap. I'll sit out for 10 days and come back. But right, if it is, they're making that entire team pitch without a guy, a dude, one of their dudes. So some of those guys may get hurt because of that. Injuries are up like crazy this year. So there's repercussions, this stuff, especially when you're not educating and don't have some type of standard. Like, hey, just don't download these apps. This cannot happen. Right. And then they won't. It's pretty simple, right? Michael McHenry with us. The Fort joins us talking Major League Baseball uh, and more uh, here on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Um, I, I mentioned yesterday, I'm, I'm really torn, uh, Michael, on I, normally I would hate Steve Cohen. I would hate the ultra billionaire who's spending to win. Uh, his comments, though, and the way he's handling the way the Mets have played versus the money he spent, I actually respect him. I like him, and that's very unusual for me. The comments were more of an owner that would be in Kansas City, not New York. And I'm curious your takeaway whenever he made those statements on Wednesday that he's not going to be emotional and jump to firing people. In fact, he's just looking to hire more help. And he's already considered the money spent on players that haven't produced when he's contemplating whether or not to, to move players out at the trade deadline. I think he sounds like a guy that has made a billion dollars in running businesses. I mean, that's the reality. He's running a business. And if you're running a business, you don't just go around firing people left and right. You educate them, you learn, you continue to grow. He's not necessarily the greatest baseball mind, but he loves that team. He loves that city. That's why he's pouring his own money into that team. He wants to win so bad. That's what he said when he yeah. bought this. I want to win incredibly bad. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Well, he's found people around him. He doesn't necessarily want to hear the yes all the time. Some, some people do, but he's leading by example, by getting out in front of it. He's not making everyone else take the blame. He's saying, Hey, this is on me. We're going to figure out some things, but I'm not going to just say it's his fault, his fault, his fault. It's easy to throw blame. 
it's hard to work out of the trenches with a group of people that you really believe in. And that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. And he also said in, in that interview, that statement, he says, you know, they're preparing for all contingencies for the trade deadline, but also said it'd be pretty silly to be buyers if we're in the same spot in the standings uh, after the month of July coming up. Uh, isn't it crazy to think about the Mets may absolutely be sellers for the guy that's the billionaire that wants to spend all the money? This could be a teardown project now for this Mets team if, if they don't improve. What, what do you think about maybe the likelihood that they become sellers the trade deadline? I think it's very likely. I mean, you look at the division at a whole. I mean, right now the Braves went 20 and 4 as of today in June. Best record in baseball. Marlins second best record in baseball, 19 and 7. Phillies third best. So that division is just playing great baseball at the same time they're not playing great baseball and it seems like they've just had injury problems, they've had sticky problems, they've just had a lot of issues with a lot of spotlight and that's what New York's going to bring when you're there. So it's a tough, tough division, and I don't see it really getting that much better that fast. I mean, we've got a very, very small window. I mean, you're talking about a month. Those guys would have to get crazy hot. I really enjoy the baseball coverage at The Athletic, and they have a big piece on different tiers for the trade deadline, and they have uh, aggressive sellers and sellers and then aggressive buyers and buyers. And right now they've got in the buyer category the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, who would have thought, Wow! you know, a month ago, a month and a half ago, that the Reds would be buying at the trade deadline? What, what do you think about this run that team has been on? It was similar to your Pirates early in the year, but it's really cool to see kind of everything start to come together for a franchise that has not had a lot of success in the last decade. They, they bought in about four or five years ago. I mean, when they got rid of all their guys, they traded off just about everybody except Votto, and I think that was for a reason. I think he's that guy that kind of glues everybody together. He has a lot of fun, but also he's proven himself time and time again. The fact he didn't come off the DL for so long, I think he was healthy. I can't wait to ask him this. I think he was healthy. And I said, I, th I think he went to the front office and said, hey, when I'm ready, I'm coming back. But until I can really produce and really do some things for this team, I'm not coming back because I feel like I have more of an impact in the cage, in the clubhouse, you know, kind of outside, maybe even in the broadcast booth because uh, how much uh, time he spent there and how good he was at it. But it seems like that unit's just come together, and then you just mix in the crews, you mix in Vincent, you mix in some of these guys that can throw it. They have been super impressive. They're fun to watch. In Cincinnati, they love their team. So as soon as they started to show a little bit of life, this the stands just started filling with the sea of red. And that's what happens. You know, when you put energy and you start winning, big things start happening in that city. I mean, they were very tough when I was a pirate for, you know, 11, 12, and 13. They were they were really the team to beat, in my opinion, other than St. Louis. They've always been good. But, man, they were always the scary team. So they're back, and they're just going to continue to get better, and they've got a lot of money on the books. Final minute here, Michael. Uh, air quality in Pittsburgh and deciding to play that game uh, with everything that with the Canadian wildfires and and the players' sentiment and, and and their reaction, your take as we're looking at the, uh, the the smog across the skyline right now. It should be yes or no. The the whole postponement and 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 the delaying of of saying yes or no 
is ridiculous. It's not going to get better, right? It was it was there for almost four days. My wife was sending me pictures. It was a mess. Yeah. And I, I played through it in California. They said, don't let your pets outside. But guess what? We played a doubleheader. That's that's the reality of when you're in the minor leagues. This is a major league ballpark. The fans were there. They loved it. We swept you know, a very should be good Padres team. So kudos to them to get it done. Doesn't sound like there was any problems. Kutch wore a mask. He looked like the Predator. And he, he played the Predator, so it was kind of neat. And I think that's why he did it. But it, it is always got to be about what what's the concern? Are we being safe here? And not a delay, yes or no, because they knew that right away. Michael McHenry, the Fort, uh, joins us to talk all things MLB. Great to see you, man. Happy July 4th. We'll catch up soon. Appreciate you guys. God bless. Yep, same to you, man. Uh, Paul Feinbaum says LSU has opened the door to cheating. Details next. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. With that revelation from Fort in the last segment. On the year? Now all I want to ask him about is losing part of his ear in his catcher's helmet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a crazy story. He said, I thought it was sweat and it was pouring blood onto his neck and back and the umpire to stop the game when he was playing the minors. Guns is coming in studio with us. Mike Gunselman, Outkick.com, will be with us uh, in, what, 40 minutes or so? Coming up in the final hour. Chet, uh, I agree with Paul Feinbaum when he says that the NCAA ruling on LSU is an invitation for schools to cheat like crazy. Um, Based on the punishment and the length that it took to (laughs) come up with any type of conclusion here. Um, the well, message. The football he, stuff we're talking about was a player that played from 2012 to 2015. I, I know, I know. It, that started more and, than a decade ago. And, and keep in mind, the, and I, I, I just referenced the timetable. They have won a national title and they fired the national championship winning coach after that, in order in order to retroactively go back and punish LSU. But he, he says on um, on Jocks, a great uh, radio station down in Birmingham, 94.5. The message is clear. Cheat like crazy and don't stop until you win. I never thought I would say that, but it's the truth. It simply doesn't matter anymore. He's absolutely right. Because by the time the penalties are handed down, by and large, the coaches, we know the players, and the ADs and the administrators are gone too. You don't, I mean, you get a show cause if you're, you know, detrimental to what happened, but you're still raking in the cash you win the titles you can go all out the ncaa by stepping back and allowing everything that took place with the transfer portal a wide open and with nil open has now opened the floodgates to where you know the commissioners and the coaches there is a huge opportunity to step up and lead we know who's leading and it's not the ncaa because they drag things on and on. And now we're talking about an LSU punishment in basketball and football, Chad. That's, I mean, a decade ago is what we're referencing. And they're, you know, the punishment's happening now, but everyone that was involved in that, who cares? 
That's the sentiment. Well, it's, it's and that sucks. Th- this is sort of the other the other side of the double edged sword when you make the determination that what you're going to do now is not punish future coaches and athletes in the school. You're going to punish the wrongdoers from before. Well, that sounds great. I agree with that stance. But when the wrongdoers are out of the sport, like Les Miles, who had to vacate those 37 wins during that 2012 to 2015 range because of the ineligible player, well, that's not really doing much. And Will Wade has another job where he's going to miss 15 games in the first season. So that's not really doing much. So now to not punish LSU moving Uh forward, I mean, what have you done? And again, I'm not advocating for them to lay the hammer on future LSU teams that didn't have a part in what this scandal is that we know about, right? But Paul Feinbaum is right that the message here is Will Wade won a ton of games at LSU, got them to the NCAA tournament multiple times, and all that it cost him was 15 games. Well, it eventually cost him his job at LSU. I, I get that, but they stuck by him for a while. Yeah. Why? Because he was getting great players, and he was winning. I made strong ass Les off. Miles isn't coaching – so well, what's but, the? I mean, I, it's so so. I, I understand. it's hard to know what the real well the, penalty is here. They're tr- and I, I know it matters, but I I look at it this way: the thirty-seven vacated wins, right? That's going to keep him out of eligibility for the Hall of Fame. If you right now go across college football, and you ask the coach who hasn't won a national title, would you trade the Hall of Fame for a national championship? What do you think the answer is? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. just, and that's what happened here. No, I mean, he's I, I still a national right. championship winning coach in 2007. Not a Hall of Famer because he's not eligible to be up for that vote because of the vacated wins. But, I mean, honestly, like, it's not, it's, I don't, it, the money that was spent on this, think about that too from the NCAA's perspective to announce it now in 2023. So dumb. It's, and the next one, and this is nothing new. The next this is one what they're known for. We're waiting on is Tennessee, which there's still no definitive word because the NCAA rejected Tennessee's self-imposed penalties. So now they're going back and forth on on what the the penalty is going to be. But it's going to probably be another story of, yeah, I would guess where it's like, well, okay, you fired everyone that uh, was right when it all happened when you found out about all but of I, it. Those those. A lot of those people don't have jobs right, right now in football. Right. So, okay. <laughs> I don't know. And, again, I'm not advocating saying, well, now, you know, Josh Heupel needs to pay the price I know. for what yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt did. But I but, think we're going to be saying the same things Paul Feinbaum is now based on the results of that one as well. But also, like, the, the, the perception that, okay, they turned down the self-imposed penalty, right? They, they're not cool with that. McNeese State suspended Will Wade, what was it? After, again, two-year show cause, now he's the head coach there. And I believe they went ahead and announced when they hired him that he was going to be out for five games or something. And and they just tack on ten more, right? They can come up with that conclusion fast. I mean, it's just, it's mind-numbing how they can pace things the way they want to or go as fast as possible to see if a player's eligible for the first game in, in, in August when things kick off. Because they can do that at, at a swift pace, too. Yeah, whatever suits them. Um, quickly, some more news coming down with ESPN layoffs, and this is a college Run football tie-in. Run through the tie-in. list, if uh, you have it. I, I'll, I'll get to the list, but the latest one, this because there's a college football tie-in, I wanted to say it. Uh, David Pollock from College Game Day has been laid off. So 
That's another one where McAfee's taking that seat. Yes. When McAfee came in, I, first off, you could tell on the show that he was spending more segments off the desk yeah. and doing different things. And I'm thinking, this is probably not going to be good for David Pollock with Pat McAfee coming in, and it was not. So the list I have now is up to 13. They're saying at least 20 on-air personalities will be laid off today. Susie Colber, Matt Hasselbeck, Steve Young, Keyshawn Johnson, Max Kellerman, Jeff Van Gundy, Jalen Rose, Todd McShay, LaFonzo Ellis, Ashley Brewer, Jason Fitz, June Lee, and David Pollock. That's the list as of right now. I don't know how they're handling it internally, but correct me if I'm wrong. When PK was laid off at ESPN due to budget cuts, didn't they tell him in advance and then they announced them all at once? Didn't he know this was coming down yeah, in a phone call I, I, or something? I feel like... I wonder how yeah, many there, knew... There was like a month in between, I feel like, where something. he knew, but this is going to be the last day. Yeah, and the reports were out in early His June. His also was not was a layoff. Today. It was just not a renewal, I feel like. Yeah, but it was a part of a, it was huge, a, part of a huge sweeping layoff. thing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right. It's unfortunate. Uh, Trent Dilfer is on a roll. Speaking and, of ESPN layoffs yeah, yeah, from, 2017, from 2017, Trent Dilfer. Um, he's pushing for the conference with UAB. Uh, saying that the the AAC champion has the best chance to reach the expanded college football playoff for the group of teams that are not in the Power Five. The highest-ranked team from the non-Power Five, the champion that's highest-ranked, will make it to the college football playoff. That would have been Tulane. They were the highest-ranked team in this category this year. Of course, they go on to beat USC. And I believe they were 17th in the nation. They would have taken, I believe, LSU spot. And if not LSU, it was Utah um, in, in the college football playoff had it been 12 teams this year. But Dilfer, uh, talking with On3, says, I would argue our conference is probably the best chance to get to the college football playoff when it expands. It's an automatic berth, and you don't have to go through Alabama or Georgia to get there. And now with other rules in place... Um, where the SEC is sticking with, or at least for now, the eight-game schedule, but the, you have to schedule a Power Five, that improves the chances that he's talking about substantially instead of taking the money games, which they'll still do, but instead, instead of taking two, maybe now they take one. Yeah. And no, then you I, reap I, the rewards and the monetary benefit of making the playoff. I think he's spot on. There's going to be uh, – and we knew this right away. This is uh, – it's the debate about expanding the NCAA tournament. Are you expanding the NCAA basketball tournament just to get more Power Fives in, where almost everyone in a Power Five plays? Yeah. Or are you doing it to get more deserving mid-major, low-major teams in that have a great season into the tournament? Well, when you expand this playoff to 12, there's written-in rules where you're going to have to bring in a group of five teams, mm -hmm. right? So yep. it's going to help the champion of the AAC or other group of five conferences. So... Now, I think Trent Dilfer's right, and that is a conference to circle as one that's going to produce a team that's got double-digit wins and is going to have a good chance at playing in the playoff. Yeah, and, it, and they would be playing the fifth-ranked team, which would have been Alabama. Again, hypothetically, it would have been Tulane at Alabama. Uh, so you do have to go through Alabama in the first round on campus. It would be in Tuscaloosa. But point being, we saw Tulane go and beat USC, right? And, and that's, the, that's the intrigue. Can a program that Dilfer's a part of, or any of these up-and-coming programs that can reach a certain plateau but can't really break down the door for recruiting and transfer portal and other things. Like, imagine uh, if, if Dion were at UAB and not Colorado and he goes to the playoff and wins a game. 
the way Tulane beat USC, yep. then you're, you're cooking, right? Then you've got momentum to do more than just say, hey, uh, yeah, I, we're not trying to win the retention rate against uh, UT San Antonio. And if our, guy, if our guys are, are going to leave for Ole Miss and they're, if they're going to, to, to leave for LSU or Alabama, more power to them because who am I to stop them from making two hundred and fifty grand the year prior to joining the NFL draft after their junior season? It'll be fun seeing those We Want Bama signs in the student section of a UAB game late in the season when they're about to win the AAC. <laughs> be careful Knowing they're right down the road. <laughs> And they're all chanting, we want Bama. And it making sense because they may be playing at Bama in the college football play. Yeah, and he says it's not a pipe dream. He says he likes big mountains. Well, that would be climbing uh, the, yeah. the, the tallest point based on uh, what can be accomplished there and in the expansion that's coming after this college football season. Uh, transfer portal window. Chance it could be just cut in half. Are you in favor of this, Chad, where we could see it and, and that the, the, the timing of things, instead of being wide open, there would be more regulation and some organization to it a bit. I think it probably helps coaches. I think anytime you shrink uh, a recruiting thing. window, yeah. it's going to help them with their schedule. They're miserable I think right it now. also, though, will probably lead to even more tampering because it's going to be so quick trigger yeah. that guys are they, everyone's going to know who's unhappy and wanting to transfer. It's like the legal tampering And they're going to know right away the when they enter because they only have a 30-day window, so you don't have time to take as many visits yeah. and really think about it. So there's going to be a lot of quick trigger stuff that happens probably before those players are even in the transfer portal. And, man, that's a quick turnaround for players who may be replaced, you know, that recruited over, and the, the portal opens up a position – for a guy who's like, oh, I've just been recruited over. I'm being asked to leave. Yep. You know, well, in no uncertain terms. That's the downside of it, I think, is it's going to – and that it's going to shrink the time that guys yeah. can mess around in the portal and coaches have to recruit the portal. That's good on that side. On the flip side, I think it ups the desire to get with guys before they're even in the portal and do it quick if that window's only 30 days to make sure you're landing guys in a hurry. Uh, to college basketball, I – I thought the ACC-SEC deal was next year, not this upcoming season, but it's this year. Instead of seeing the, uh, the Big 12 SEC challenge, we're going to see Duke and Arkansas, Kentucky and Miami, and other matchups between the SEC and ACC and what has been a vastly improved conference for hoops against the conference that's known for it. Uh, I can't wait. And again, I thought this was uh, a year in the making because I've got that in my head about the schedule. This is happening this upcoming season. Yeah, I like it too. Um, in, in November, you know, late November, like early yeah. in the season, this is not, you know, the, the Big 12 SEC challenge that would take place in January during the middle of conference play. So I think it's a good way to kickstart things. And they were, it was ACC Big 10, right? That's yes. what it was. ACC Big 10 challenge, SEC Big 12 challenge. Yeah. But Duke's going to have uh, quite the challenge against Arkansas. That'll be fun. Again, that's what all of these challenges would bring some great matchups on the on the Saturdays. They would happen. There would be some must watch games. Yeah, because they make sure to get the most high profile programs going face to face in the marquee windows. too. we've got further headlines uh, straight ahead. You can join us in the chat. The final hour coming up. Mike Gunselman, the gun show from outkick.com will be here. And we discuss uh, the PED policy compared to the betting policy in the NFL and much more. Final hour, Friday edition, Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow next.